This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. So there are galaxies that are like 65 million light years away from Earth, okay, from our galaxy. So right now, if they had a super-duper telescope and they looked towards Earth 65 million years ago, what are they witnessing? Uh... Dinosaurs, right? Oh, Thank and they're getting okay. killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just dawned on me what that, what that time there frame was. Go. I'm like, oh, snap. I know. They, so The Earth is putting on a show for them. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. Today we're doing the ever popular Cosmic Queries edition. Chuck, good to have you, man. Yeah, always a pleasure to be you're, here. You're preloaded with Cosmic Queries from our Patreon members. So, what's the topic today? We have cosmological curiosities, Ooh, cool. which, uh, cool. you know, I, that, that covers enough you of gotcha, it. I got you, I got you. And that if something I don't know, I have to call my people. I got cosmology friends. So what do you have? All right, let's jump into it with Danny K. Danny K. from somewhere? Says, he's, nope. Okay. Danny nope, K. from the ether. Danny, he's just Danny K. from the yeah. ether. He goes, good morning, gentlemen uh, of the court of knowledge and his majesty, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> I, Wait, dude, Danny, we're going to answer your question anyway. You didn't have to... <laughs> This is yes. Even though you are asking that question first, I don't know. But it, and actually, he does put in here. He goes, "I am hailing from the Netherlands, Rotterdam. Come to thee and these humble increase of knowledge." Mm, Netherlands. Okay. okay. So what does he have? There he goes. He goes. In a previous episode, there was a mention of an expanding of our universe, and that there could be a point in the distant future where we would be stretched to a point where our neighboring galaxies would be too far to reach. Would this expansion also affect our solar system as well? Does it mean that our blue ball would slowly drift away from our star? And would our star dim before that time comes? And if so, would you suggest uh, how we might be able to survive something like this? <laughs> We're all going to die. <laughs> Very simple. Yeah, damage. so in the vacuum of space, there's this mysterious pressure forcing an acceleration of the expanding universe. We have a, a, a word for it, but we don't know what it is. We had no business naming it, really. And it's called dark energy. And, dark and I energy. joke that we should just, you know, dark matter, we don't know what that is either. We should just call it Fred and Wilma. You know, just two words that don't hint at anything physical, right? Because we don't really know right. what's causing it. But we can measure it. And so this expansion of the universe that's accelerating, that will continue to grow. And the bigger the universe is, the more vacuum there is. And this pressure is a property of the vacuum. So as the universe expands, the gravity gets thinner. The gra what we call the, the gravity density gets thinner, but the 
the, the dark energy continues to grow relative to the gravity. So initially, all the galaxies will, will expand beyond our horizon. And then after that, it will start ripping apart the galaxies themselves because that's a stronger gravitational force holding them together. Start ripping that apart. And so the solar systems will be flung hither and yon. Then it'll start ripping the planets out of their solar systems. Then it'll start ripping moons from their host planets. Then it'll start ripping planets apart structurally. Then it'll start ripping apart the molecules. Then it'll start ripping apart the atoms in the molecules. Then it'll rip apart the nuclei of the atoms. Then it'll reach the point where the very pixels that comprise the fabric of the universe will succumb to this ripping force. And it's called the big rip because we do not know what will happen after that moment. Mm. At that moment, the universe will tear because it will no longer be able to stretch in response to that force. We call it the big rip, and it will happen if nothing else is in the way. It's going to happen in 22 billion years. Well, there you go, Timmy. Good night, and you sleep hey, well. have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> have a nice day, Timmy. So, so, yeah, the sun will be long dead by then. Sun will give up the ghost uh, in about 5 billion years. We're about halfway through the life expectancy of the sun. So we'll, oh, look at that. the sun will be dead long before that happens. And so I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, there you go. So that's the real answer. The real answer is, uh, Danny, you shouldn't care. <laughs> uh, exactly. It, but I want to be it, around it, it, to watch that rip. That would be, Except yes. I would be yeah. in the universe that was ripping. And so I would be ripping apart as well. Just... I, I live every day in a universe that's ripping. <laughs> because, <laughs> no, but think about it. When you zoom in on a photo, right. that only works until you start seeing the pixels right. that comprise the photo. If you keep right. zooming in, there's no more information there. But what happens if you keep zooming in and you want to break apart the pixels themselves? What's between them? Right. Who knows? In between the pixels of the photo that you're zooming in on. And so this is, the, this is the mystery and the uncertainty we have in 22 billion years. I have it on my calendar, by the way. <laughs> As I say, October 12th, 22 billion years from now. 22 Watch billion out. years from now. There you go. That's very cool. I believe that's a Wednesday. Mm, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Chuck the uh, savant. Yes. <laughs> you pick any date 22 billion years from now, I'll tell you what day mm -hmm. it's on. <laughs> All right, this is James Booth, and he says, my question is about dark gravity. Okay. I understand. Which is what most people would call dark matter, dark. but he yeah. knows I'm calling it dark gravity because that's literally what it is. It is gravity, right. and we have no idea what's causing it. It's not even black holes, by the way, or unilluminated right. matter. We have good reason to know that that's the case. But go on. He says, uh, most of the matter we experience that makes up the stars of the galaxy only makes up about 5% of the content of the universe. Correct. Okay. If that's the case, which you just said it is, is it possible that, given we interact with such a small percentage of the universe, we are indeed the anomaly? 
this really makes me feel weird. Yes, yes. So it's imagine you're at night and there's an ocean in front of you, but you don't really know it. And you turn on your light and you see these white caps, okay, which show up nicely under moonlight. And we are the white caps of an ocean that surrounds us. So, correct. We, we are, if, if, if there were beings made of dark matter, dark energy, they would see us as a contaminant in their universe. That's right. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I know. I know. Wow. It's sad. And, well, yeah, it is. I mean, we are not representative of the most common stuff in the universe, which, by the way, is a violation of the Copernican principle. Copernican oh. principle says that we are not special in time or in place or in location. We're orbiting an average star in an average yeah. galaxy. So statistically, yeah. it says that we're average. But if we are contained within that 5% of all the laws of physics, chemistry, biology, and all the ingredients that make up matter as we know it, then we are something unusual in the universe. But could we be the average inside of the unusual? Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to complete the thought and say, given <laughs> that we are unusual, we are average. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, there you go. Very nice, very nice. But, you know, another example of that is, you know how school systems try to corral all the smart people together? Right. Well, they used to right. do this. They put the smart people in their own class. No, class. they do it still. Okay. They have a- a- all the AP kids. Exactly. Are exactly. Class. So, uh, in the in the general population, you're unusual because you're like smarter than everybody else. Then they put you in the AP class, and now you are. And you're just average. Just average. You see, that's not everybody's average. smart. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's it. That is very cool. Uh, what else you got? Uh, a, pro- a problem I did not have. <laughs> Therefore, that little bit of math was something you didn't have to think about. Is that what you're saying? Did not have to worry about. No, I remember. Okay, so I was not in the smart class in elementary school, but I was in the next class because they 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 totally ranked these classes. And I and I remembered the kids in the smart class. They got to take French. I'm talking about sixth grade, my elementary school. Uh-huh. Before there was middle schools that would absorb a sixth grade class, they took French. They had a French person, and I said they're learning a foreign language. And learning how to smoke. <laughs> With the hand and bunch, bunch of fourth graders sitting around. <laughs> you speak my language, and it sounds like how you say a dog pissing in my ear. <laughs> I don't know why, but you bore me. <laughs> what? Why does every French person you imitate smoke a cigarette? Why? <laughs> Yeah, so I always wanted that, and that was, you know, I, I was... Yeah. Uh, what what they... They were deciding what you would be... What you would learn. Without me right. saying, I want to learn it, and we're not measuring right. my ambitions for what I could or could be in life. And this is... For me, that, that's a travesty. Who, who have we lost in the educational system for want of an educational uh, uh, a program to identify where the ambitious kids actually are versus those who score oh, high on a test. And more importantly, uh, not just the ambitious kids, but what are identifying their ambitions. Exactly. Because if you identify an ambition, you automatically excite the person to learn exactly. because they're pursuing what they already exactly. like. Yes. Duck for awesome. president. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> All right, next All one. Right, here we go. This is, let's go to, uh, hey, guys, uh, this is Rotten Josh here from Somerville, Florida. My question, instead of the Big Bang, could the universe have formed from a big implosion instead of an outwards explosion? When I think of the Big Bang, I imagine exploding outwards. So I was thinking maybe it exploded inwards. And thank you for your time. Um, I'm going to let you. Yeah, yeah. So, no, so before we had good data on the, right. the very distant future history of the universe, there was our, our equations that are traceable to Einstein and others, including, um, what's that dude's name? Uh, he was a Belgian priest, actually, who contributed mightily to our understanding of the Big Bang. Um, and he, so, but anyhow, so, so, it, under the Einstein's equations, it can sustain a collapsing universe as well as an expanding universe. So people naturally said, if we measure an expanding universe, maybe it'll one day recollapse and then start all over again. Start all over. Yeah, okay. and that's where you get this sort of um, these 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 rhythms. By the way, the name of that Belgian priest is Georges Lemaitre. Georges Lemaitre. Mm, yeah. Georges Lemaitre. Lemaitre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he. He took Einstein's equations and said, wait a minute, this can give us an expanding universe. And if we're expanding, that means it had a beginning. If it had a beginning, that's interesting. And then a lot of religious people said, oh, a, a Catholic priest says that, in fact, there was a beginning, because before then, no one knew how to think of a beginning of the universe. It was, it was not a thought. It's not that they thought about it and said there wasn't. It's like, of course, the universe was always here. How could right. everything that there is have a beginning? So we have Einstein's equations. George Lamatre says there's a beginning. And then everyone is jumping on that saying, see, Genesis is true. God's made the beginning. And so he said, no, this ain't got nothing to do with Genesis. Okay? So there was a little okay. fact between the religious folks who were, who were reaching for this scientific result and the Catholic priest who came up with the result who was in denial of it confirming Biblical Genesis. That's all. Oh wow! Look at and and he was Catholic. And he was Catholic. That's, that's not. That's kind of rough yeah. when your own people are just like you know, nah. That's <laughs> it's kind of like you appoint a you know a special counsel and he goes, yeah, there were no, there was no fraud in this election, and you go, yeah, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, so in that scenario, uh, un until you have data to show which version of these, what, what variant on this equation is operating, you could have right. a cycling universe. And when I, this is how old I am. When I was in graduate school, we explored all of these solutions to the equation. But we know now from data that we're on a one-way trip. The universe will never recollapse. So, no, we're not going to have a collapsing universe. And the birth of the universe, could it have been a universe before that that collapsed right. and then birthed us again? We don't know. Okay. It would be well, hard to go, have a buddy. collapsing system expand and then never recollapse. You right. see what I'm saying? So, right. Uh, because whatever made it collapse should make it collapse again. And there's nothing out there that's going to make that happen. So, interesting. There you there go. There you go. All right. Yeah. Hey, nice question, yeah. man. Way to go. This podcast is supported by FedEx. 
Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of Star Talk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. So this is Gaud Paraginodoni. I'm from San Jose, California. My question uh, regarding shyness of dark matter when interacting with other matter. If we think dark matter as a giant spider web that holds the earth and the sun and the gravity, why does it interact with dark matter that holds the earth and the moon together? Or the dark matter that holds our solar system and the Milky Way in the galaxy? With normal matter, these three spider webs would scrape and break each other. Dark matter is pretty outgoing all over the place, holding galaxies together and whatnot. But when it comes to interacting with other dark matter, why is it so bashful? Is it because it's afraid of rejection? Or maybe it's just not interested in a three-way or whatever reason. I'm just curious. Please let me know. Uh, you know, I think he was trying to do a bit at the end there. <laughs> I can't stand I'm pretty up sure he was trying to get a little bit at the end, you know. But I, I read it anyway just to satisfy you. You got your little... Comedy bit in there, gal. But yeah, uh, is there is there different dark matter that's doing different yeah, things? So dark matter is not holding Earth together. The, right. the molecular forces are the electromagnetic attraction forces are. Dark matter is not holding the solar system together 
all right. the objects there is sufficient gravity to make that happen. Uh, but dark matter thing. is holding together the galaxy. And the it's galaxy. holding together galaxy clusters. So gotcha. it turns out, other than through gravity, we don't interact with dark matter. So you could just walk oh, yeah. through dark matter. You wouldn't know it, and it wouldn't know it. More, right. more, more accurately said, you wouldn't know it, and it wouldn't care. Okay? So now, not only do you not interact with dark matter, dark matter does not interact with itself. Because if it did, you would have concentrations of dark matter. But just think about it. If you have two hot marshmallows, and they meet in the, in the, at night, okay, over the fire. Right. What will they do? Well, they'll get it on because they're both hot. <laughs> so, I mean, that sounds like the recipe for marshmallow love if I ever heard it. Two, two hot marshmallows I, I, That was not together. my intent for you to take it down that path. <laughs> so, two hot marshmallows, they, they'll stick. They'll stick okay? to each other. So there are forces right. within the marshmallow, material forces, that when it sees other marshmallows, that they'll stick. Okay? Right. So we, we, our matter knows how to do this. All right? That's right. how you get planets. That's how you get right. stars. Right. Dark matter does not stick to us. So it's not with the marshmallow or with the planet or with the star. And it doesn't stick to itself. So dark matter does not make concentrations. So as far as we know and understand the behavior of dark matter, we're not, there's no, we, you don't expect to see dark matter planets or dark matter right. galaxies. Dark matter is the Unabomber. It's just what lone. It's a lone wolf. It's lone. It's out there by itself. By itself, and it does not care. Okay, there it is. A Unabomber. That's a stretch, I think. But okay, yeah, you know, it was it was kind of a hermit, right? He didn't <laughs> care about anybody. And it, I mean, listen, I don't know. There's a morbid <laughs> stretch, I might add. But yeah, it was a morbid stretch. But but anyhow, so so yeah, it's just the fun. The interesting part is that it doesn't even interact with itself physically. Only through the force of gravity. Nice. So, so watch. All right. So watch. Uh, you have a forming solar system, and two bits of matter know this, and they fall towards each other and stick. All right? right. Now watch. Right. You have bits of, of dark matter, all right? And they fall towards each other, and they pass through each other. Pass through each right. other. Right. And, and, and they'll, just, right. they'll just rock. There it is. Very rude. Right. Very rude. Very. There you have it. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Uh, well, that, that's a great question, All right. man. Keep okay. going. We're getting through these, uh, Chuck. We're getting through them. We're, people uh, have made note that sometimes we take and luxuriate yes. in our question answers. But, yeah, no, we're making progress uh, here. They, yep. So this is Bob Dan. And uh, Bob Dan says this. Hi, this is Bob. Is from the U.S. of A. If space in the universe is expanding, then why aren't we being stretched thin and ripped apart atom by atom? And what am I missing here? I mean, wouldn't the expansion apply at every level, right down to the subatomic? And how is this current expansion different from the so-called big rip you talk about? And here's what I want to know, Bob Dan. Why do you have such a damn attitude? <laughs> <laughs> you gave him the attitude. I'm just reading the way it's written. No, you you are imbuing this boy's question with attitude. Okay. I mean, it's just, I don't know the way it sounds. It's, I could have read right, it maybe ple peacefully and calmly, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. That's so, true. so okay. yeah. So, the expansion of the universe, depending on the rate and where, where, where it's happening, it will not overcome 
the the gravitational forces that are and the electromagnetic forces that are otherwise binding solar systems and objects together. The expansion of the universe has to be way stronger right. before that happens. So, in other words, yes, you're stretching space, but I'm holding on to myself within the stretching space until the force of the expressing space exceeds it's that of my gravity or exceeds right. that of the electromagnetic force. Then it'll pull you apart. So the fundamental forces of the universe right now are greater than the ripping forces that are Correct. upon it. Correct. So right. you got, got it. it. So the gravity, if you got a tight gravity system, it's it's you're not pulling that apart with your expanding universe yet. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm sorry for giving you so much attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I read the question. It's a good Wait, question, the, man. What sentence had the most attitude there? Read it to me. Okay, okay. And how is this current expansion different from the so-called Big Rip? Okay, so I would read that. Oh, and how is this current expansion different from the so-called Big Rip? See? See, that's why you're an astrophysicist, <laughs> and I have problems with my, um, my, my phone carrier. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. All right, next question. What do you have? Uh, I'm just saying, I get on the phone with them, and they're just like, sir, you cannot talk to me that way, and I will not have uh, Click. I will not Wait, have They can hang up on your ass. They can hang up you, on you, you now. If you use profanity, they'll just hang up. They can hang up on you now, then, they're, and it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. you know? I don't you know the question is, if it's AI... And you have the conference. Will the AI hang up on you? Or will it cut See, you back? Funny. And that's what I'll say from now on. I was just trying to figure out if you were AI. <laughs> Don't hang up. <laughs> Don't hang up. <laughs> just wanted to make sure you were an AI. <laughs> um, anyway, here, this is Michael Rivera. Michael Rivera says, hello, Dr. Tyson and Lord Nice. Michael here from Las Vegas. My question is, would it be possible for humans to artificially create a black hole with significant mass in order to further study the mysteries of how black holes work and what they do? If so, how dangerous would this be, this artificial black hole made here on Earth at a sustainable size? And would there be any way of containing it. This guy, Michael, I have a feeling, is trying to make a black hole in his basement he, he, or something. These basement people, I worry about them. Yeah, See, I grew up in an scary. apartment. We don't have any basement projects. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Hidden from the parents. That's funny. <laughs> Neil, don't make me come in there. I, I feel like I hear a black hole being <laughs> built. What's going on? Oh, that's not <laughs> So, um, yeah, you wouldn't know how to contain a black hole. It's like, hey, Chuck, pass me that black hole. Chuck, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Chuck. <laughs> Chuck? Oh, that's funny. So, yeah. So, you, we, you can't, you can't, we don't know how to manipulate a black hole. And right. so, maybe someday we could, like, bunch up space-time and make a little container out of, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So, yeah, this would be a really bad idea. Because a black hole is a voracious eater. So let's say you had a black right. hole on your desk and it fell to the floor. It would start right. eating Earth. And it would just fall through Earth eating anything that, any part of Earth that was near it. And it would continue to do this until the entire Earth was inside the black hole. You know how big an Earth mass black hole is? No. About the size of a plum. Oh, wow, that's, that's crazy. That's, yeah, that, that, that's a sad day for Earth. So, that's a sad so yeah, day. So your black hole eating Earth would become the size of a plum. 
Wow. That's the entire Earth fitting inside the black that's hole. That's the entire Earth inside yeah. the black hole, right? Yeah. yeah. Look at that. Oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah, it's like, scary, too. All yeah. of Earth crunched down into a something smaller than the size of my fist. Yeah. That's it's very difficult to really conceive when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, because you're limited it's, to your five biological senses. And exactly. the universe is, repeat with me, under no obligation to make sense no, to you. To, there you go. And guess what? It does a very good job of that. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's winning in that battle mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. All right, this is Captain James Riley. And Captain we James know, we, Riley we got does not- a lot of his questions. Captain Riley. Captain Riley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He says, why do galaxies form a web or a sponge-shaped structure? It seems that on small scales, gravity forms spheres and disks. So I'm a little confused. Oh, oh, good question. Interesting. Right, the large-scale structure of the universe is not with galaxies equally spread It's not with galaxies all in tidy spheres, although some galaxy clusters are. For example, the Coma cluster of galaxies, this is a cluster of galaxies that lines up with the stars in the constellation called Coma, okay? A Uh, Coma Bernice, so it's the hair of Bernice, okay? So uh, if you look at on constellation maps from like centuries ago when they used to draw this stuff, it's just somebody's hair. (laughs) Right. Not to be confused with the Comover galaxy. Commonly, commonly seen in boardrooms around America. The Comover, the Comover galaxy. <laughs> okay, so the Coma cluster—that's a nicely spherical cluster of galaxies, and in fact, that's the first galaxy cluster where dark matter was discovered. Because you Ooh. looked at all the vol- the speeds of the of the, and there's a certain amount of mass gravity required to keep all of them in this in this ball. Whole galaxies now. Thousands of galaxies. I think like maybe 800. I forgot the exact number, but it's around 1,000 galaxies. And many, many hundreds. And so you calculate that up and you find out that it needs like 10 times that much mass to keep the galaxies contained. If you add up the mass of every galaxy, it doesn't add up to the gravity needed to contain them. So that was a guy named Fritz Zwicky in the 1930s, 1936, I think it was, where uh, he's a Caltech, Swiss-born Caltech astrophysicist who, who, who discovered this. The, it's the, it's the, and it's the longest unsolved problem in modern astrophysics, the dark matter problem, birthed with his wow. observation. Anyhow, there are some galaxy clusters that are nice spherically shaped. Others, you see these filaments. It's as though you had a sponge and you cut it and you looked at the cross-section where there's some concentrations of sponge, but mostly there are these sort of bridges between concentrations. That's what the universe looks like, the inside cross-section of a sponge. Here's the problem. If you look at how fast the galaxy is moving along one filament, and look at the size of the filament, the universe is not old enough for the galaxy to have crossed that filament. Ooh. Ah. So you don't have structures that represent what the galaxies really want to do if they had enough time. Right. So that's what's going on here. Interesting. Right? So that so you have systems that are not gravitationally um, settled in what they should look. The coma cluster is. 
All right? And it's a term we use for this. I forgot it. What is it? It's um, uh, a relaxed cluster. Is one where, okay, we got this. Everybody's orbiting just the way they should. And take a chill, baby. But this chill. That's chill. exactly. And they yeah. could cross the size of the cluster in the time the universe has been around. So that's how you know everybody's, everybody's settled into their routines. A any structures bigger than that, they have not had time to settle. And so, and they may never settle, given how long it takes and given how fast the galaxies are moving through space. So, yeah, that, that's how and why we get that. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Uh, this is Lou Perot. Lou Perot says this. Perot, is that a Hi, silent Ohio T Chuck. or you, are you? A-U-L-T. Oh, Perot. Okay. Perot. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay, Lou Perot. He says, uh, Hi, Neil. Hi, Chuck. My name is Lou and I'm writing from the Seven Islands. Septiles. He says, Where, where are those Quebec. islands? In Quebec. Quebec has islands? Yeah, that's where I'm, uh, hey, listen. Isn't Quebec inland? Me. I thought it was, you know. Okay. But, but we're Americans, so we don't we don't know. Yeah, we, what do we know about the French-speaking province of <laughs> no, Canada? We don't, we're, just, we're not. We're bad. We're the worst in the world in geography. We're, sure. we're geography, that's yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, we don't know our own damn question. states, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them we don't want to know. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's come on. Okay. I know we're fifty states, but we kind of should be about forty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's let's come on seriously. <laughs> All right. He goes, my question is, is it possible to see past by looking in deep, see the past by looking into deep space? And if so, which direction do we have to look? And also, is it possible to see the Earth by sending a telescope multiple light years away. Yeah, so only if you can travel faster than light right. can you see your own past. Own, so, you, right. so you can't do that. But, what, but so I, I know what he's saying, but I want to lead up to that. So uh, clearly he knows that the farther out you look, the farther back in time you see, okay? Right. So there are galaxies that are like 65 million light years away from Earth, okay? From, from our galaxy. So wow. right now, if they had a super-duper telescope and they looked towards Earth, what do they see? If they're seeing us however many light years ago. 65 million years ago. Right. What are they witnessing? Uh, dinosaurs, right? Oh, Thank and they're you. getting okay. killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just dawned on me what that, what that time there frame was. I'm like, oh, snap. I know. They, so, the Earth is putting on a show for yeah, them. Yeah, so the, the galaxy that's 65 million light years away is witnessing the extinction of the dinosaurs because that light is only now just reaching them. 
Okay. Right. So, but we can't see our own past. That that doesn't work. So, um, so yeah. But if you put if you send a telescope out there, you know, let's say a thousand light years away, and then come back, it will be seeing whatever happened here a thousand years ago. Right. Right. That's yeah. all. That simple. So, so yeah, that's it. So, uh, and then you, what you'd have to be like you say is. Uh, faster than the speed of light, so that you could go place it and come back and have it and be like, yo, what's up? <laughs> Wave to yourself. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's me. <laughs> yeah. But once all you right. go faster than speed of light, then all bets are off. And then you can do all kinds of paradoxy things, paradoxical yeah. things. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is Connor Holm. He says, Hi, if the big rip does occur, a lot of big rip questions today. People got it on their because, mind, man. Because no one wants to be <laughs> torn asunder by the universe itself. No one wants to get. No one wants a new one torn into them. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the universe, boy. I will tear you a new one. That's what I will do. You keep it. You say another word. Say another word. I tear you. Watch what I do. I'm the universe. You know who you're talking to. I will tear you a new one. <laughs> okay. What, are you, what is he asking? Connor says, if the big rip does occur, what would be the immediate results of tearing of the fabric of space-time? Would these tears, tears be black holes or would they simply just be voids of nothingness? What is nothing? How could nothing come out of something uh, what what would these voids be? Wow, that's okay. freaking crazy. Okay, I love this, Connor. Okay, so so my 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 simple answer is we have no idea. Okay, oh. the state of the universe post Big Rip is a complete mystery, and and what we don't know is is there some law of physics that will manifest at that time? Think about that. You know, when do we discover new laws of physics? When we step where we had never previously stepped. When we look where we'd never previously looked. When we bring a new kind of apparatus, a new kind of detector that we never had before. Then we see the universe behaving in ways we've never seen before. Sends us back to the drawing board to say, is this understandable with previously known physics? Or do we have to invent new physics? So, Einstein said to himself, I don't think we'll ever have a black hole, even though his own damn equations predicted it, because a black hole in his equations have infinite density occupying zero volume in the center of the black hole. And he said, surely there's some new law of physics that's going to show up and save us from ourselves, save us from this mathematical craziness where God divides by zero, right? Right. So what happens in the big rip? What would it look like? We do not know. And I'd like to know before that day happens so that we can, like, protect ourselves, if that's possible at all. We don't know. And he's wondering if it rips, does nothing show up? Okay? Something we call nothing. Something we call nothing. Okay, but then what is nothing? What is? Okay. I think we have a whole explainer on nothing. We We did do an explainer on that. Okay, let me tap some of that. And what what we got out of that was... There is 
know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> because that's because you know is is air nothing? Well, you can see through it, but we know it, there's air there, right? So clearly, it's not nothing. So now take away the air. So what's left? Is that nothing? Well, it's still space. Well, it's empty space. Nothing. And we know from quantum physics that empty space is a seething soup of what we call virtual particles popping in and out of existence. And so, so, and this is what we call the vacuum energy. Just Google that, vacuum energy. Yes, There's an energy in the vacuum of space that quantum physics puts there. And we thought, hey, that could be the dark energy in the vacuum of space. So you do the calculation for how much dark energy we measure, then you do the calculation for how much how much pressure is coming in from these uh, virtual particles popping in and out of existence, and we are off by 100 orders of magnitude. Jeez. It is the biggest mismatch between an observation and a theory that has ever occurred. This is further evidence that we have no clue what dark energy is. Okay. Wow. So, so there it is. Now, could we imagine a place where there's not even these virtual particles? Okay. But then you can't have quantum physics. So, all right. So now we have a place where there's not only not nothing, there's not even the laws of physics. Right. Whoa. So could you exist in that nothing? Because yeah. you only exist because they're like molecules hold you together and, right. you know, and light and energy and electro. You only exist because the laws of physics of the something allow you to. Right. So the best nothing, if the rip gets you there, if you step through that rip, maybe that nothing does not even contain the fabric of empty space. Look at that. Because the laws of physics tell us what the fabric of empty space does. So right. if you take away not only the empty space, but the laws of physics that would describe it, then that's as good a nothing as I can imagine. Right. And that nothing exists inside of a bong. <laughs> I've been there. I've been, I've been there. Been there. <laughs> Tell you. The bong nothing. Okay. It's the bong nothing. It's a nothing bong. Okay. <laughs> so, Chuck, we have a couple minutes left. I think I'm going to allow you to give me one question, even though you, you, you're, you're a cheap-ass comedian not paying the, your Patreon dues. I, Okay. All right. Well, you know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. Uh, okay. So, uh, I was watching this uh, thing on listening to uh, NPR, and they were doing this thing about energy and all the different forms of energy. And then they, for some reason, played uh, a clip from what I know is one of your and my favorite movies, The Matrix. And they played the clip about how the AI basically, after a singularity, saw us as a form of energy. 
to be used as little batteries. So my question to you is, do we put out enough energy that if I, if something were an AI would say, you know what, I need to put them to work. <laughs> and line us up head to toe. And, and, and that's uh, right. And line us in, and right. <laughs> so that we would become little batteries as opposed to just taking us and literally putting us to work by subjugating us all and making us do their will. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if they put you and me in a battery socket, uh, I say, no, Chuck, we, we got to be head to toe, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You see the AI keep coming around and flipping us over. <laughs> flipping Put us it in back. the wrong way. Now, doesn't this go on the spring side? <laughs> Just, the feet go on the spring side. Is that what AI right? sounds like? <laughs> <laughs> that's an exasperated that's, AI. <laughs> that's exactly. That's my AI that sounds like uh, Chris Tucker. Say, man, does the feet go on the spring side? Okay, anyway. All right. So, this energy described in the Matrix draw, is drawn from the human body. So, you can look at our metabolism. All right. If you're a calorie counter, you'll know that. There's something called your basal metabolism. So this is the energy you burn, pay or play, okay? Just for okay. existing. Just for existing. Right. And for some people, it's maybe 1,500 calories a day. For me, it's more like mm -hmm. I'm bigger. So I, for average, I'm a little bigger than average. So I'm like 2,000 calories a day is my basal average. Okay. So now, do you realize that the food calorie is written with a capital C. Mm -hmm. You may not have noticed that. Yes, There's a reason I for really that. Don't. Because a physics calorie is written with a lowercase c. Uh -huh. Because a food calorie, one food calorie, equals a thousand physics calories. Oh, uh, okay. So when I say I burn 2,000 calories a day, it's 2,000 food calories, it's 2 million physics calories. And what is a physics calorie? It's the amount of energy required to raise the temperature of one cubic centimeter of water one degree Celsius. That is one calorie. That's one calorie. Okay? All right. So, once you have all these calories, it's a rate at which you're burning energy. We have a unit of measure for that. It's called watts. Okay? Watts. Mm -hmm. And so, when you do the math on this, the average person is operating anywhere between 50 and 100 watts. Okay. okay? So, it's like a light bulb, you know, like an 80-watt light bulb. Okay? There's that 80-watt bulb consumes energy at, at a rate. So do we. We, we, we radiate that. Okay, well, we consume that much energy, our circulation and everything else. So what the what the what the machines did, the computers did in the matrix is line us all up and draw the 80 watts of power from every person at all times. Okay, that's very inefficient. So the, the answer These is yes, that's how they did the movie. However, it's extremely inefficient. Yeah. You know why? Because I don't want to. Power a city off a light bulb. No, no, no. If you get enough of us, no, just, I use light bulb as an example of something that uses I got, that much. I know, okay, I know. Okay. So, no, here's why it's inefficient. Okay. Um, you're you're burning two thousand calories a day 
As long as what is happening? As long as I'm living and breathing. No. Yeah, well, yes, okay. but well, yeah. more fundamental than that, well, equally as fundamental as that, how long can you keep burning 2,000 calories a day? Uh, if that's, I thought you said that was my base. Yes, that's your base. I got to be eating Thank something you. to... Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Where do you think that... I got to eat something to burn you, them. Where do you right. think those calories came from? From the food you're eating. So, in order for all of the Matrix people, the people in the pods, to be feeding 80 watts of power to the Matrix, the Matrix has to feed them. Well, that's a lot of... That's 8 billion mouths. Okay, so what I'm saying is, if the Matrix is feeding you... Right. 2,000 calories a day so that it can then pull your 80 watts off of you, why why use the middleman? Right. Just burn the burn the, the food calories that you're feeding the people. In fact, every time energy changes from one form to another, it's not 100% efficient. You lose some energy to heat all the time. Right. So you look at the energy in a gallon of gasoline, okay? And that gets burned to drive the car. I forgot the number. 80% of that energy goes into heat. It does not go into moving your car forward. That's funny. Okay? So this is a fundamental feature of thermodynamics in the universe. So they were being inefficient. So this is their weak point in, the, in their storytelling. And I will give them a hall pass because they did everything else so brilliantly. But that one was just plain stupid. Because the, 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 the machines, the computers just would use the food that they're feeding them and get their energy off of that and leave the people out of it. Look at but that. But then they wouldn't have had a movie. Well, you know, that's a, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes things difficult. Yeah, yeah. That, they have a movie. Then there's no movie. All so right. there you go. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. That, that's all the time we have, Chuck. Okay. All right. So that was what was fun. This was Cosmic... Cosmological curiosity. Cosmic, cosmic queries, cosmological curiosities. I got it. I, yeah. I got the tongue twister. All right, Chuck, always good to have you here. Always a pleasure. All right, this has been Star Talk, Cosmic Queries, Cosmology Edition. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, as always. Keep looking up. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.